You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil and I'm joined in the studio uh, by Jeff and Ken. Let's start with Ken. How are you feeling this morning? I'm pretty good. You were at went, a show last night? Yeah, I went to a local punk show with some friends and, uh, you know, my friends were in the band. So it was a good show. Were, good you, in a, were you in a mosh pit? Uh, I did not go in a mosh pit, no. Have you seen the video of Shaq in a mosh pit? I have not. At an EDM concert. That, pretty, would, that would scare me. I would not want to get into a mosh pit with Shaq. I've had some bad experiences, so I'm done with the mosh pits. He's got a lot of reach. you got to worry about that. He does have a lot of reach, and that's Jeff over there. He has large feet, large uh, radius, yeah, and, and he dunks. And a, and a big heart. A very big heart, you're right. And he, he does shimmy with the best of them for his, uh, what is that, uh, powder... Powder commercials. The gold bond. Gold bond, yeah. <laughs> commercials. Uh, Matt is not here. Uh, he uh, decided to take a trip during our recording to uh, do some spelunking in Sri Lanka, uh, where he's going to be dressed as different characters from the Street Fighter franchise, and uh, they all kind of drink tea in the mountains uh, as they're spelunking. So. Is Sri Lanka well-known for its caves? or uh, If you find them, that's why you have to spelunk. Okay. Yeah. Only if you find them. Uh, but joining us in studio today, instead of Matt, uh, a definite upgrade here, uh, are two uh, cruiserweight champions uh, from Central Jersey. Uh, one has been on the show before, and that's Paul McLaughlin. How's it going, Paul? Doing all right. A uh, li- little hungover, but uh, I-, I am going to be able to get through this. Yeah, he was also at a punk show yesterday, apparently. Yeah, yeah. what was the band? Uh, Screeching Weasel. Screeching Weasel, which makes me think of Pauly Shore. So. <laughs> I don't know why, because you always used to say that, right? Screeching weasel. weasel. Or just weasel. weasel. Yeah. Good, good punk band. Uh, dude in it is a little uh, questionable, but uh, good punk band, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of dude, uh, next to Paul, a uh, friend of Paul who's also on this road trip, uh, Joe Dudas. He's also a uh, Patreon supporter like Paul. How's it going, Joe? Yeah, it's going fine. Again, a little hungover, but I think we're going to you know, get through. I think we'll be okay. So both both of you are hungover, both from Central Jersey. Uh, we know a little bit about Paul. We'll come back to you. But Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, uh, born and raised in New Jersey. Um, I work for an electric wholesale company, so like light bulbs and wire and stuff. I actually um, manage the like solar department. We sell like solar panels to contractors and stuff. Oh, sweet. Um, so yeah, I mean that's you know about it in a nutshell. And you've been on a trivia team with this guy for a while. Yeah, about yeah, a we, year. Uh, I, I'd two say years? like two, two, yeah. two years or so. We've been playing together. Yeah, you know, you so, were at Geek Bowl together. On yep, the same we were. Team, right? Yeah. yeah. So we travel around, you know, playing trivia like true nerds. It's it's fun. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And uh, Paul, uh, what what have you been up to since the last time we talked to you? 
Uh, not a whole lot. Renovating the house has been the uh, the, oh, the nice. biggest part of our life. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much been it. Uh, well, Paul brought a huge box that he uh, he carried in here, uh, weighing about 25, 30 pounds, uh, and it was full of the coolest wrestling magazines of all time, like all the classics, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, uh, Ricky Steamboat. So thank you for that. You got it. Um, it might be the wallpaper in Matt's bedroom soon. We'll see whether he knows <laughs> it or not. That might be the case. Yeah. yeah, whether he knows it or not, he'll walk in when he comes back from Sri Lanka. Uh, but you're both Patreon supporters, and we really thank you for your support. Of course. Um, and now that you're you're hungover, as you said, which we're kind of in that way every time we record, and somewhere not migraine, uh, not enough sleep. But um, what would your team name? What would you like it to be? Generally Something? surly. Yeah, generally. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to before we were a team together, his team was always Cooper's Revenge. Yep. Okay. Mine was always Raging Smart on. When we got together, we just made it Raging Coopers. Raging Coopers. All right. So the angriest barrel makers you're ever going to want to come across. Um, but uh, since uh, Ken and Jeff are here, they're ready to go. Uh, Jeff already did some push-ups. Uh, let's throw it to the rules guy and uh, see how the hell we do this game. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's how. Yeah. Cool. Um, so Man, me and he's Jeff... lost weight since the last time I was here. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a little. It's the vocal cords. When you lose the weight in the, the throat, the voice goes higher. It's science. <laughs> he's looking good. Uh, so uh, I, I've noticed in the studio, the uh, beard to no beard ratio has gone to uh, four to one. Yeah, right I now. shaved a little bit. Yeah, our our gentlemen guests have uh, quite profound beards. Yeah, Paul. So I think I think me and Jeff are going to be the beardos today. The beardos. So the beardos and the raging coopers. All right. So I'm going to try to keep score, but as you know, I'm not good with math. So hopefully someone will be doing a backup. I'll, I'll do a backup. Yeah. All right. And for the first time ever, I'm reading my questions from my phone, which Ken does normally, and he does it very smoothly. But we'll see how it goes for me. So smooth. It is smooth. Like uh, Matchbox Twenty meets Carlos Santana. That's smooth. Let's start the game here. It's going to be um, somewhat of a, a theme-ish. Uh, there's a lot of connective tissue here. Um, it's kind of like it's an, in its own universe, but you'll see what I mean. So uh, question one, if the you are already. The Triviality Cinematic Universe. The Triviality Cinematic Universe, which would be a great episode with all the different characters. Uh, all right, number one. Daniel Tiger is the central character in an animated children's show based on a recurring character from a fictional kingdom appearing on what long-running television series? We're locked in. Same here, and this is when I'm so glad to have kids. Yeah, and I'm really glad he has kids. <laughs> uh, it's Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. All right. Yeah, I, I forgot this from my childhood, but I did see the uh, Mr. Rogers doc when it came out like two years ago. So yeah, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It is Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood points across the board. Uh, yeah, our niece, uh, Aria watches the show, and it uh, has Daniel Tiger putting on his shoes and zipping up his uh, his cardigan, just like the uh, the man himself that Tom Hanks will be portraying pretty soon. So Yeah, I was having a mental block on that name, Daniel Tiger, but it was, like, so familiar to me. I just had to, like, put it together for a second. But It could be, like, uh, the name of uh, Ralph Macchio's, I don't know, like, tough persona in Karate Kid, I guess. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on right along to number two. It may be Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, but Disney's The Lion King has certainly been king of the jungle at the box office. Two performances highlighted by critics are given by Billy Eichner and John Oliver. 
most known for their Emmy-winning and Emmy-nominated TV programs. If you take the titles of their two TV programs and swapped their own names with the characters they play in The Lion King, what would those television programs be called? Your questions are so confusing, Neil. <laughs> I wanted it to be a little bit of a path. So yeah, Jeff, I know the uh, the characters that they play. Yes, yeah, so you... Okay. All right, we're locked in. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. So feel free to talk it out, guys. What do you think? All right. Uh, now. So it's last week tonight with... With John Oliver. Right. So it's he's the, the bird. I... I... I have no idea he, who is actually playing who in this movie. I, no, so I'm he's the just, bird. What's yeah, the bird? Zazu. Yeah. I'm just going by by his accent. Yeah. You know, okay, he would be Zazu. And, uh, he does Bill, sound like Mr. Bean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and Billy on the street, I think he plays Timon. So The meerkat, t- yeah. Yeah, so Timon on. So last week tonight with Zazu and Timon on the street. Okay, and uh, Team Beardos. Yep, uh, we can confirm it's, it would be Timon on the street and last week tonight with Zazu. That is correct, guys. See, it, it nice. took a little bit of ways to get there, but we all are on the same page. So, Yeah, because of the way you can have the question. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I do. Uh, so continuing in this cinematic universe of triviality, um, thanks to the instantly rewatchable and retweetable content from Billy Eichner and John Oliver, they've become comedy heavyweights in the last few years. Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, and Joe Lewis were heavyweights in a different way. And three, I hate the, you, Neil. <laughs> and three of the best boxers to ever wear the gloves. Which of these men had the highest career KO percentage? So out of Ali, Foreman, and Lewis, which of them had the highest career KO percentage? And for five bonus points, if you can get all three in the correct order from most to least, I'll give you five, five points. This is bonus nonsense. You just get extra points. There's a lot of extra points today. So we, we really don't know. Uh, so we're just going to lock in with uh, Jeff's guess here. So apparently each of our random guesses is... Uh... You just got to decide which one you like better, I guess? I mean, really, because I, I couldn't I, tell you. I'm, I have some logic behind it, but uh, it's well, if you've a got little some, faulty. If you've got some logic, then then let's roll with that. So um, I like Foreman, then I like Lewis, then I like Ali. I think Ali was more of a technical knockout more than like George Lewis or um, George Foreman just beach in the face. Foreman, Lewis, Ali for uh, Raging Coopers and uh, Ken and Jeff. We're going to go Lewis, Ali, Foreman because we know that Foreman is more of a knockout in the uh, kitchen area. I was going to say he knocks out the fat of uh, chicken. <laughs> uh, but uh, 15 points going to Raging Coopers. It is Foreman, Lewis, and Ali in that order. Nice. Foreman uh, was about 83%. Lewis, I think, is around 70 uh, And uh, Ali was like in the 60s. Cool. So. Uh, yeah, pretty interesting fact. Uh, George Foreman uh, was a pretty uh, unstoppable force. Um, and despite George Foreman having had the highest career KO percentage, he ultimately ended up being KO'd himself by Muhammad Ali, like those transitions, uh, during the famous Rumble in the Jungle. Standing in for the jungle was what capital city of Zaire, which is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo? We, I think we can lock in. Um, okay. Yeah. Pretty decisive Jeff? there. Geography? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Kinshasa is what comes to mind, but I don't remember if that's correct. Well, I really don't know. So Deal. we'll go with Kinshasa. All right. And Raging Coopers. We too went with uh, Kinshasa. It is Kinshasa. Nice. nice job, everyone. I'm just so excited now. I'm getting jazzed up about these transitions. This is. I didn't different. even realize we were into question four. I know. That's how, that's <laughs> how clean they are. Too. That's yeah. how clean they are. You could, you could help that, Neil, by saying question, <laughs> question four. four. But I like, I like doing the quick transitions like that. We'll do just, it. Just not question four on this next one. Yeah, right, right. This next one would be question five. 
for the record. Um, so the the Kinshasa, question five, is the finishing move of professional wrestler Shinsuke Nakamura, who is known as the king of what style in wrestling? So the Kinshasa is the finishing move of professional wrestler Shinsuke Nakamura, who is known as the king of what style? We'll lock in with whatever Ken thinks. All right. I know it's been it's been a while since I've uh, regularly watched wrestling. Only thing I can come up with is maybe it, I think shoot is a thing. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, so I, I, that's cool. I, so I've heard of that. Just gonna roll the dice on that. All right. Uh, well, we don't know anything about wrestling. Uh, I know a little bit about Japan. So he's a Japanese wrestler. Um, I know Harajuku is like a fashionable like district in Japan. So maybe he's the uh, king of Harajuku style. Okay, uh, both uh, interesting guesses. Uh, Paul, you were kind of on the right track. Uh, this style is most typically associated with Japanese wrestling. Uh, it implements full contact martial arts strikes and shoot submission holds. Uh, so it's a little bit different than American wrestling. Uh, it's called strong style. So he's the king of strong style. Okay. So anytime a Japanese wrestler is usually in America, the strong style is a lot of like quick kicks and punches and, and moves that they normally wouldn't uh, over display in America, if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, number six. English actor Mark Strong, transition, has built a reputation for playing the bad guy. Most notably, he's played the bad guy in three separate comic book adaptations in the last decade. Matt is currently being tied up in Sri Lanka and held above a tank of great white <laughs> sharks and needs you to correctly identify at least two of these franchises so he will live. All right, we're locked in. Okay, so... Mark Strong is the, uh, the knockoff Stanley Tucci. Yeah, yeah, he's the angrier English Stanley Tucci. <laughs> so one is Kick-Ass? Oh, I don't know that. Oh, just I, I'm pretty sure this, this one's all you. Yeah, let me think about this for a second. So one is Kick-Ass. <sighs> I'm hitting a wall. What was that one with Rain Wilson? Uh, Rain Wilson? Yeah, yeah. Dwight Schrute played a comic book wannabe guy. It's a pretty decent flick. No, I didn't. No idea. And yeah, and you wanted both, correct? You need two to to two have Matt three. survive. Yep, two of three. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. I I think you're pretty screwed. <laughs> well, it looks like uh, Team Raging Coopers uh, has killed Matt. Uh, I believe you're looking for the uh, James Gunn intro into the superhero genre with Super. Oh right, yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, We're gonna step in and uh, save Matt. I hope with uh, Kickass and Shazam. And uh, <sighs> Team Beardos will save Matt. Uh, so uh, in Kick-Ass, uh, I don't know his name. I'm going to look it up in a second. But in Shazam, he was Dr. Sivana. The other one you guys forgot was Green Lantern. He was uh, Sinestro. Yeah, that was pretty forgettable. Pretty forgettable. Uh, and in Kick-Ass, I believe his name was just uh, like the boss or uh, something very simple like that. Um, big, or No, not Big Daddy. Excuse me. It's Nick Cage. It, Nick Cage is Big Daddy. What, he was like Falcone. No, that's Batman. It was something. He was uh, Frank D'Amico. Oh, that's what it Frank is. Frank D'Amico. Yeah. So not too much of a supervillain name there. But uh, but yeah, Matt is, Matt is alive, uh, and he's on his way back to the studio at some point uh, on a ship, I think. Uh, speaking of a ship, did you know that uh, it's not one of the questions? Uh, <laughs> is this a transition? <laughs> it's not a transition. Uh, I read that David Bowie, uh, he would take long ship rides, uh, and he would pretend the entire time like a method actor to be like a prince. Just because he didn't like, he was socially awkward. He didn't like being himself, so he would pretend to be like a prince of. Uh, I'm the Goblin King. Yeah, exactly. So he would do that. A prince or prince? <laughs> well, it would have been more interesting if it was prince, but I think a prince. But the, I, I'd see that movie, David Bowie as prince. Uh, all right, so uh, number seven, you mentioned Kickass, uh, Joe, uh, kicking all sorts of ass throughout history, where the Ona Bugesha, 
Japanese warriors trained in self-defense and offensive maneuvers who most often used a weapon specifically designed for their stature called a naginata. What defining characteristics set them apart from every other warrior taking part in battles throughout Japan's history? Okay, we're locked in. Um, so a naginata is like a, like a staff with like a sword on the top kind of deal. Like it's got like a curved blade. Um, maybe they didn't wear helmets or armor. Or maybe okay. they rode on horses. Oh, that, that's, that's where I'm thinking. Yeah. Could be, could be mounted. Yeah, you want to go that? I horseback? do. I think that's cool. Okay. All right. Horseback for the Raging Coopers. And we're going to say this is a uh, battalion of fighting ladies. Uh, and you guys were a little too specific. Uh, they were female samurai, female warriors. Yep. Uh, so a lot of people just assume that these uh, female warriors uh, had these weapons, the Naginatas, to protect their home when the husbands were away. But in fact, uh, led by uh, people like Empress Jinju, um, they were pretty fierce warriors uh, and won all their own battles uh, by themselves, women battalions and things like that. Awesome. So, nice. Yeah. Pretty cool. Look it up. All right. So uh, that would be points to Beardos on that question. Make sure you guys look up the Onobugeisha. It's a pretty interesting story. Uh, so let's trade in the Naginata for a nine iron here in question eight, Jeff. Uh, listener Chad Baker reached out with a question five, which I've morphed into a question eight for today. So thank you, Chad, for Upgrade. that. Upgrade. <laughs> uh, here's his question. Augusta National Golf Club, home to the annual Masters Golf Tournament, was built on land formerly used as a nursery. In acknowledgement of this fact, the holes of the golf cars, course, cars, the holes of the golf cars, I have like the Scottish. I was uh, going to say you're going, going back to golf's roots there. Yeah, I know. In acknowledgement of this fact, the holes of the golf cars. Um, okay, are named <laughs> not after. Bad. <laughs> not bad. Uh, You've done worse, Scottish boy. Yeah, a Scottish boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where is my iron brew? Okay. Uh, sorry, Eddie. Sorry. Uh, so this golf course is built on a land formerly uh, as a nursery. In acknowledgement of this fact, the holes of the golf course are named after the trees, plants, and shrubs which are still found on the course today. For 10 points, what is the name of the 18th hole? As a hint, this common thorny-leafed shrub sports red berries and is a traditional Christmas decoration. Okay, we're locked in. Pretty sure that's going to be holly. Yeah, we too said holly. Uh, not of the hunter variety, but it is holly. Uh, it's called and holly hole? Holly hole. Uh, and Chad Baker actually also said he's going to give you a bonus opportunity. For 10 extra bonus points, can you name Whoa. any of the other 17 holes at Augusta National? Mistletoe. <laughs> juniper. <clears throat> uh, just give one one official answer. We're going to say ju- <clears throat> juniper. Okay. Uh, we're going to... Sh- yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we're going to yeah. take a stab with dogwood. And uh, you are both getting 10 points. Nice. So the, they are tea olive, pink dogwood, flowering peach, flowering crabapple, magnolia, juniper, pampas, yellow jasmine, Carolina cherry, carmelia, white dogwood, golden bell, azalea, not Iggy, Chinese fir, Firethorn, Redbud, and Nandina. So, pretty interesting. Uh, All right. Thank you, Chad, for that question. We appreciate it. Uh, Number nine. Brace yourselves for another golf question. This one of the Volkswagen variety. In the 1970s, the Volkswagen Golf MK1 was first introduced to North America and Mexico under two different names. Name either of them for points. Uh, That'd be the Mark 1, just for the... Oh, Mark 1? Yeah. I'm just going to call it MK1. Looks like uh, Jeff is pretty confident in this one, so we're going to lock in. So like, they're like Iron Man suits. Well, it's every couple of years, yeah. They get yes, a new they're one. like Iron Man suits. They're the Iron Man of the auto world. We are locked, so feel free to discuss. Yeah, that's fair. They started evil, and by the end, we kind of are okay with them. <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> I'm just trying to think. of VW models from the, the 70s into you know, going into the 80s. Uh, 
well, my first car was a rabbit. <laughs> Maybe they, uh, you know, they, from what I remember of the Golf, I think that they were very similar looking, so. That yeah. wasn't a Jetta, the rabbit? I mean, I know literally nothing about cars, and that was well before my birth. Yeah, the Jetta and the rabbit were two two very different ones. Um, okay, so I'm cool with whatever you got. Yeah, we're going to take a stab at rabbit. Okay. Uh, so did we. We said rabbit. All right. You really shouldn't stab rabbits, though. No. <laughs> well, uh, how do you make a good Haas and Pfeffer, then? <laughs> so uh, the correct answer is rabbit and Caribe. Caribe. It's from Mexico. Caribe. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but uh, yeah, Caribe. Is there a thingy over the Caribe, you? maybe? Yeah, no thingy. Um, but yeah, rabbit or Caribe. 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 Possibly. Um, but yeah, those are the two answers. So uh, points to both teams. Nice. Shout out to my first car. <laughs> uh, do you? So you don't know anything about cars, but do you know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, car? The van? Yeah. Oh, I totally had the van as a do, kid. Do you know the name of it? Oh, no. I think it's the Shell Razor, but I'm not sure. Or it's just the turtle van. <laughs> no, I had the van. I had the helicopter. Um, I had the actual sewer that it like oh, me the too. pipe that yep. went down. Oh, dude. Yep. I, I, I had all of those figures, and I, I decided just to sell them, and I should have kept them. I had all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I had all the Ghostbusters figures like beginning to end, and I just let them go. That insane non sequitur brought to you by Joe's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shirt, which you cannot see, listeners. <laughs> or <laughs> cannot see or cannot buy. Uh, all right. Uh, this next question, um, I'm guessing, is going to be a little easy, but uh, I'm not going to give any clues, even though kind of we're given already. Uh, number ten, also manufactured in Germany, is this traditional German stew made from marinated rabbit or hare, cut into stewing meat-sized pieces, and braised with onions and a marinade made from wine and vinegar. Don't worry, I knew it anyways. Apparently, Laverne and Shirley were fans. Yeah, we're lactin. Yeah. I, I guess we are too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know the answer. We might as well just say it. Uh, how about one, two, three? Hassan Pfeffer. It is the Hassan Pfeffer. Um, Finally, a German, German boy. accent. Yeah. Finally, <laughs> finally, the German, the German uh, three, right? Is this it, Ken? Yeah. You can't see it at home, but it's the thumb and first two fingers. Uh, yeah, the Laverne and Shirley clue. I thought maybe that would help because I've never heard of Hassan Pfeffer, and uh, they say it in the theme song. They do the Shamil Somazel Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated. Yep. Yeah. Whatever that means. That, that was the 70s for you. Just throw words at the yeah. viewers and the left. Well, I heard uh, the, the creator was saying that the uh, Shlemiel and Shlemazel were Yiddish, uh, to, were kind of fun, and then the Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated was just because it sounded funny. So I guess that's all you need. Exactly. Like I said. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't worry. I, I knew it anyway. So uh, Let's do a little score update here before we go into the swing round. I knew it from Looney Tunes, though. That, that's oh, did you? Chef, where's my Haas and Pfeffer? Oh, I didn't know that. All right, so after the first round of regulation, it looks like the Raging Coopers are at 85, and the Beardos are at 90, so very, very tight game going into the swing round. Uh, before we get into the swing round, uh, Jeff, I want to throw it over to you. Uh, two of the gentlemen in the studio today are Patreon supporters, uh, both at the Cruiserweight Champion level, so can you uh, uh, explain to the audience uh, how they can get in touch with us for Patreon and uh, what their support means? Yep. Um, it's very easy to get in touch with us. I put links in the show notes of every single episode, so it's very easy to find. If you'd like to do it the old-fashioned way, it's at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. And uh, we just, we're just about to put up a bonus episode today or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time of recording, this is late July, and uh, it's absolutely absurd. I mean, not that we don't have fun here, but, you know, there are limits. Uh, if you're in- inclined to listen to Absolute Insanity coming from us, um, you can do so by supporting us on Patreon. There's a lot of other great perks, including signed posters and boxes, and there's just so many different ways, so many different support tiers, 
and uh, we're always grateful for the support of our patrons. Uh, they make the show work. Yeah, no rules, no structure on Patreon. Uh, we threw the rules guy out the window for Patreon episodes, right? Yeah, he's out. He's the out of the window. The defenestration of Darren. Yep. Uh, so for the swing round today, uh, there are two choices. Uh, I can either uh, do a category called movie twins. Uh, which I was almost done writing, but I'm going to improv the entire thing based on the information I have. Or we can do a before and after, which is a collection of before and afters I took uh, from old Jeopardy episodes that I thought were interesting. So uh, guests, uh, we can vote together, but... No, guests, guests can decide. Yeah. Well, I, I love before and afters. Okay. And, and I like movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, we'll, we'll do, let's do half and half. It's going to be a before and after movie okay. twins. Fair. All right. Fair is fair. Five and right. five. All right, so the first five are going to be before and afters from past Jeopardy episodes. So I'm just this gonna, is unprecedented. It is way. unprecedented. It's it's the potpourri of uh, pretentious uh, trivia. Oh no, this is a dangerous, uh, dangerous territory. It's the most dangerous, slippery game. slope. If you guys are up for it, we're going to play the most dangerous game after this. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right, I've been waiting this whole time. Uh, okay, here we go. Yeah, um, we've set traps outside the door already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We, we had to, you know, uh, do two of them just to get in. <laughs> the, the spike pit was my favorite, I thought. Spike pit is always good. Uh, all right, so the first five are going to be before and after. So um, number one is going to be an Arthur Miller play adaptation about a violent biker gang in a drug war. Number two is going to be a 2012 Carly Rae Jepsen chart topper hooks up with a 1977 Wings hit to everyone's astonishment. Number three, party rock anthem group that is a renowned toy store on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Number four, a 1991 Christina Applegate movie about death that turns into a 2019 Christina Applegate Netflix series about death. And number five, our favorite Patrick Swayze movie here in the studio follows him as he gets a job at Vincent Price's Unique Museum. All right, so now we're going to move on to the second half of this swing round, which is going to be movie twins. So the way this is going to work, um, in Hollywood, they often are developing movies that are very, very similar or almost the same, and they end up being released either the same year or within a year or two. Uh, and an example I'll give you right now is uh, in 1998, there was Ants, and then there was A Bug's Life. So I'm going to give you some clues, and I just want to know what those two movies are. Okay. Um, all right. So this was 1995, and these were two movies that made Americans obsessed with pigs. Uh, the next one, number seven, is going to be uh, two films following the life of the writer of In Cold Blood. Number eight, uh, 1998 and 1999. Uh, one had a comedic actor, one had a dramatic actor, and both were around the subject of reality TV. Number nine. 1989, both films were comedic, and both films were about a detective and a dog. And the final one, number 10, 1994 and 1993, both films about a kid who gets involved with a baseball team, one in Minnesota and one in Chicago. 
Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So as the uh, competitors go and talk about their their answers and the, uh, for the questions, here's a few other ones for you guys that were kind of fun that were released. Uh, 98, you have Armageddon, Deep Impact. Uh, in uh, 2004, you have Chasing Liberty and First Daughter, about the, uh, the first, uh, first daughter, I suppose. Uh, 2011, Friends with Benefits and No Strings Attached. One of Ken's favorites, 2006, The Prestige and The Illusionist. One that's often forgotten, uh, 1986, Top Gun and Iron Eagle with, with uh, Lou Gossett Jr. One of those got overshadowed a little bit. Yep. Top, what was it again? Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun, starring uh, an up-and-comer. Uh, so no. just an Iron Eagle knockoff. Huh? Just yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, except that one also had like a weird sub theme where they did like a beach volleyball thing. So it's really a volleyball. It's movie. a hard pass. His rival in, in Iron Eagle was named Nice Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nice Man! You're uh, hazardous. <laughs> that was that was a good impression. Uh, ninety three, ninety four. You had Tombstone and White Earp, and then uh, our favorite here in the studio, I think, because we all mentioned it uh, immediately, would be nineteen ninety seven, Volcano and Dante's Peak. So, uh, all right. So all the answers are locked in. So let's start uh, with the first five, which were before and afters. So I will uh, reread the clue and we'll start with, uh, we'll go with the Raging Coopers and then Beardos for, for the order here. So the first one was Arthur Miller play adaptation about a violent biker gang in a drug war. What'd you guys have? Well, I knew the, the biker part was well i'm pretty sure that it was sons of anarchy trying to come up with an arthur miller play that ended with sons and really drew a blank so just took a an educated stab at my three sons of anarchy wow okay. that's our 
really random coincidence. Because <laughs> it's exactly what happened with us. And uh, we did know that there was a Futurama episode called My Three Sons, and we wouldn't pat, put it past them to make a Arthur Miller joke. So My Three Sons of Anarchy. Okay. Uh, you were very close. Sons of Anarchy was correct. I think My Three Sons was a TV series, as you were saying. It was. Yeah. Uh, but the play uh, was just on Broadway. It's called All My Sons. Yeah. So All My Sons of Anarchy. Shucks. Uh, number two Good was game. Good game. <laughs> uh, a 2012 Carly Rae Jepsen chart topper hooks up with a 1977 Wings hit to everyone's astonishment. Raging Coopers? Uh, we went Call Me, Maybe I'm Amazed. All right. And Beardos. Is that seriously yet? <laughs> I thought it was Baby I'm Amazed, but uh, <laughs> we were joking. But we said Call Me, Maybe I'm Amazed. That is correct. Points on the board for both right. teams. I didn't even know that was Wings. Cool. Let's go on to the next question. Question number three. Uh, it is... Party Rock Anthem Group, that is a renowned toy store on Fifth Avenue in New York City. So let's go to Be- uh, Raging Coopers. That's uh, LMFAO Schwartz. Okay. And Beardos? Yep. We had LMFAO Schwartz. That is correct. Points to both teams. All right. Uh, next question. 1991 Christina Applegate movie about death that turns into a 2019 Christina Applegate Netflix series about death. We went with, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead to me. Okay. And Beardos. Yeah, we really mucked this one up. Uh, we went with Day of the Dead Inside. Okay. Uh, that's a different movie. That'd be pretty fun, though. Uh, <laughs> it is, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead to me. Uh, so that movie, I was telling Paul, uh, I used to watch it all the time when I was a kid. It's uh, how I learned about Petty Cash and uh, the reason that I ate Captain Crunch, because in the movie... She's trying to uh, take care of her siblings, and she gets a giant salad bowl and just pours all of the Captain Crunch in it and an entire gallon of milk and says, just here's your breakfast. So used to love that one. Like uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall with the Cocoa Puffs. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the I last... the freshest cereal, Ken. The, f- <laughs> uh, the last one of the first five here, uh, the before and afters. Uh, Triviality's favorite Patrick Swayze movie. That character gets a job at a Vincent Price unique museum. Yeah. Pain don't hurt unless you're getting a bikini wax. We went to Roadhouse of Wax. Okay. And Beardos. Yep. Roadhouse of Wax starring Paris Hilton. That, that is correct. Uh, and Jared Padalecki of Supernatural fame. All right. Now we're moving on to the twin movies. Uh, the first one that, that I gave you, which I'm curious to see where you guys went with this because I'm not sure if uh, everyone got it from what I was hearing. But this was uh, 1995, two films that made America obsessed with pigs. So we had um, Babe and Charlotte's Web. Okay. We also had Babe and Charlotte's Web. All right. Well, Babe is correct. Charlotte's Web uh, did not have a release in 1995. The other one was Gordy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Babe and Gordy. Nobody likes Gordy. Yeah, it's pretty sure Charlotte's Web is from like the 70s, right? Uh, well, there's a 70s one. There's a the more recent one. one. The yeah. animated one. And then there was a live action remake. Mm-hmm. It was With Julia Roberts. years after. Well, uh, Jeff did say that. And I said, uh, well, come up with another pig movie then. He said, I can't. Oh, you, you said know. Gordy? No, I said I couldn't. Oh, you said I couldn't. Because okay. I forgot about Gordy. Uh, and uh, Gordy, the tagline here, uh, kids will squeal over Gordy. Uh, the talk- <laughs> what? <laughs> the talking pig who made it big. Um, all right. So the next one uh, was a uh, two Truman Capote uh, biopics here um, about uh, well Truman, Truman Capote, who wrote In Cold Blood. So that was 2006. What did you guys have? Uh, we had Capote and then that other Capote movie. Okay. And Beardos. We said Capote and uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> All right. Uh, good guess there. Uh, it was Capote with Phil Seymour Hoffman. And the other one with Toby Jones was Infamous. Am I insane or he did write Breakfast at Tiffany's though, right? He did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. All right. But uh, that doesn't preclude you being insane either. Okay. Yeah. It, they're not mutually exclusive. 
Uh, all right. The next one, uh, one of my favorites here, 1998-1999. It was uh, two films, one starring a comedic actor, one a dramatic actor, about uh, the rise of reality TV. So for this, we had um, Ed TV and The Truman Show. Okay. And Beardos. Yeah, same here. That is correct. Ed TV and The Truman Show. Love The Truman Show. Um, I have to Who re-watch. are you talking to? Oh, that's the best part. In that. Oh, I love that movie so much. Uh, yeah, so good. Laura Linney. Yeah, but you really like Jim Carrey, too. I love Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. Truman Show is such a good movie, and it's still timeless if you do watch you like, it. Do you like his art? I do like his art. Yeah, cool. it's pretty good. Um, Truman Show is very relevant now, too, if, re- if you rewatch it. The next one is uh, Two Detectives uh, and a Dog from 1989. Uh, what did you guys have? We had uh, Turner and Hooch and uh, K-9. Okay. And Beardos? Yeah, we uh, had Turner and Hooch. Couldn't come up with the second one. So uh, the way I know about uh, major literary works, we said uh, Wishbone. Ah, Wishbone, yes. Uh, so Turner and Hooch starring Tom Hanks and uh, whatever the dog's name was. <laughs> and uh, James Belushi in K-9 with uh, whatever the dog's name was. Uh, and K-9 here, it looks like the tagline is, meet the two toughest cops in town. One's just a little smarter than the other. All right. And uh, the last one here, uh, two favorites if you're a fan of baseball, uh, both about kids getting involved with a professional baseball team, one from Minnesota, the other from Chicago. Raging Coopers, we got. We had uh, Angels in the Outfield and Rookie of the Year. All right. And we had Rookie of the Year and Little Big League. Well, Angels of the Outfield was the California team, uh, but it was Little Big League for the Minnesota (sighs) Twins and Rookie of the Year of Chicago Cubs. So points to Beardos on that one. All right. Well, uh, after the swing round, it looks like the Raging Coopers picked up 30 additional points and Beardos picked up 25 additional points. And Ken, I believe you said something about the score. We're tied. We're tied going into round two. This is exciting. The drama is real. It's nerve wracking. (laughs) It is nerve wracking. Just wait till we get to the physical portion of this episode. Okay, moving on to round two. Still going to be a little bit of connective tissue, uh, sort of like the first round. We'll see how this one goes. Number 11. Texas native Jarrett Reddick is known for many things, being the voice of Chuck E. Cheese, creating the series theme song for Phineas and Ferb, and most notably is the lead singer of what pop punk band whose most famous hit was actually a cover of an SR-71 song? Do you, does SR-71 ring a bell? Not at all. This is... This is sounding like a bowling for soup thing again, but I don't think it is. Jared Reddick. Pretty well versed in my pop punk, so gosh, this this one's killing me because I know these these bands pretty well. Let's say um Well, if whose most famous hit was a cover? Yeah. You think nineteen eighty five's a cover? No. And I know that band a little bit too. I just can't put my finger on what that song was. That's uh, disappointing. You want to say um, some 41 or something? No, that can't be it. Still waiting? Is that their most famous one? Yeah, it's tr- it's driving me nuts because I just want to like put a pop punk band down, but I can't like exclude. I make I'm, I'm able to exclude all the ones that I'm trying to write down here. Uh, let's just say Bowling for Soup. Okay, and it's bothersome. Team uh, Raging Coopers. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they uh, changed up some of the lyrics when they uh, re-recorded 1985. It was uh, Bowling for Soup. It was a cover. Yeah, Bowling for Soup. I can't believe you got back to Bowling for Soup because I see Paul here just trying to be silent. Why is Bowling for Soup on this podcast so much? I don't know. I, I don't know why I included this one. It's unbalanced. What do you mean you don't know? You wrote the question. I did, but I, I don't know why it was on there. <laughs> I've seen them a few times with my brother, and the guitarist always throws picks in the audience, and I got hit with one once. The, it's the, better uh, than harmonicas. True. 
the amount of prevalence in pop culture that Bowling for Soup has and the amount that they appear on these, uh, this uh, podcast is unbalanced. <laughs> it is very unbalanced. Uh, great job. Uh, points to both teams on that one. Question uh, number two in round two. In 1990, Campbell's Soup uh, launched the flavor Cream of Broccoli with a recipe contest created in the hopes of getting what notable figure to change their strong opinion on the vegetable? All right, we're locked in. I almost want to say like like a Sesame Street character or something. Like, I just don't, I just, I got nothing. All right. I don't know why this is pinging it at me for some reason, but if we got nothing else, Ellen DeGeneres. I I, I don't know why. Okay. I mean, she had a TV show, right, in the 90s? Yeah. Still, wait, what was the, oh yeah, you said 1990. 1990. Yep. Uh, Oprah? What the hell? Yeah, sure. What the hell? Oprah, sure. Lock it in. Okay. Beardos? All right. I've never done this impression, but uh, let's see how it goes. <laughs> well, I don't like broccoli, uh, but now I'm president of the United States, so I'm not going to eat broccoli anymore. It's uh, Bush Sr. That is President George H.W. Bush. Walker. Yes. So uh, when he passed away, uh, they kind of uh, brought back the whole storyline of him and how much he hated broccoli, and he said he would never have it. He's like, I'm president now. I don't have to eat broccoli. Uh, he just did not like it. So. Okay. Yeah, President George H.W. Bush. Um, all right, number 13. How was the impression? It was pretty good. Not going to do I it. I was going to recommend you never do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to do Dana Carvey doing Bush. It's, it's so hard it's, not to. Yeah. Um, all right, number, th- uh, number uh, three in the second round. Uh, a different Campbell, Joseph Campbell, wrote, What famous landmark study of comparative mythology in 1949... That would later prove invaluable to a young George Lucas who credits his work as influencing his Star Wars saga. Uh, <laughs> we're in. We're done. We're done with this question. Well, I I I grew up with Star Wars, a huge, huge Star Wars fan. Read so much about everything about it as a kid, and I have zero here. <laughs> I, Joe, is I mean, it, it, would it be like, like a general like on you know classic mythology or something like that? Like a, just a broad. Well, you got to start a. Every great book title starts with on, right? I mean, or a treatise. <laughs> Campbell's Guide to Comparative Mythology. Yeah. Sure. Let's sure. lock that. Okay, Beardos. We're just gonna say the Pantheon. Pantheon. So uh, Joseph Campbell was an American professor of literature at uh, Sarah Lawrence College who worked in comparative mythology and comparative religion. Uh, So his work covers many aspects of the human experience. His most well-known work, though, from 1949 was The Hero with a Thousand Faces. Yeah, his concept of uh, monomyth, one myth, uh, refers uh, to the theory that sees all mythic narratives as variations on a single great story, The Hero's Journey. Okay. uh, As directed by Kurosawa. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hidden Fortress. All right, number four in the second round. Uh, Our second listener-submitted question uh, here in this game is from Dave LeCompte, and it revolves around the Star Wars saga. Also, thank you, Dave, for becoming a Patreon supporter. In The Empire Strikes Back, Vader hires a motley assortment of bounty hunters to hunt down our heroes. For five points each, name as many of them as you can. I've got three of them. One one that everybody is going to get, and two that I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, they had a book back in the day like oh, a star good. wars book and it yeah. was like bounty hunters yeah. and there I'm, were like five or six of them 
I'm pissed because yesterday at the concert there was a person wearing a periodic table, table of, of Star, Star Wars, Wars bounty hunters. Oh. <laughs> and I didn't look at it very hard. You, you like, chose not to look at it on purpose. Like I'm not going to look at that. I like read the title. I'm like, this is unappealing to me. <laughs> when will this ever be relevant? <laughs> Tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> so we're locked in with one. Okay, let's hear your one. Uh, Boba Fett. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so five points for you. Boba Fett is correct. What about you guys? Uh, we have Boba Fett, IG-88, and Bosak. Uh, I, I, how would you spell Bosak? B-O-S-S-A-K. I'll give it to you. It's Bosk or Bosk. B-O-S-S-K. But yeah, so Bosk. IG-88, Boba Fett, Dengar, 4LOM, or 4LOM, oh, yeah, and yeah, uh, Zuschus, or Zuskus, Z-U-S-C-H-U-S-S. I knew there was another droid one, because they, like, hang out together. So it'll be 15 points to Raging Coopers, 5 points to Beardos, little separation there. All right, so for uh, question 5 in the second round, we had 6 bounty hunters, uh, the question before, and now we're going to talk about 6 wives. Six is a smash hit British musical and modern retelling of the lives of Henry VIII's wives presented as a pop concert currently in Chicago. The show makes use of the famous mnemonic revealing their fates. Divorced, beheaded, okay. died, divorced, beheaded, survived. I'm going to give you the famous mnemonic device used to remember their last names. Arrogant boys seem clever. Howard particularly. Can you name three of the six wives of Henry VIII? Okay. We're locked in with three. Well, actually, we are, we have six guesses, but hopefully three are correct. In, right, we, yeah, we've we've got three. Okay. Okay. I hope. All right. So we've got Hathaway, Boleyn, and I'm hoping Catherine of Aragorn's last name is Aragorn. You know that it that it works out that way. So Aragorn, <clears throat> Aragorn, Boleyn, and Hathaway. Okay. Uh, we two said uh, Catherine of Aragorn, okay. uh, Anne Boleyn, Jane Seymour, and then. Uh, Catherine, Howard, and Princeton. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, the mnemonic was Arrogant Boys Seem Clever, which stands for Aragon, Bolin, Seymour, and Cleves, and Howard particularly for Howard and Parr. Oh, we got four. Yep. So uh, I, you said Aragorn, Aragon. What do you think? It's Catherine of Aragon, right? Aragon. Yeah. Yeah. Aragorn would be from uh, Fellowship, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's up to, uh, it's up, what do you guys think? Well, I, we, you said we Catherine, only, though. We only got two of them anyway. Regardless. Oh, you only got two regardless. I said, I, I, I was like, okay, he's got the one that's uh, the same name as the actress. Uh, Hathaway oh, yeah, was Hathaway. Shakespeare's, Not, Shakespeare's yeah, wife. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. when you said Seymour, I'm like, oh, damn it. Yeah, uh, points to Beardos on that one. So There's yeah. a uh, British comedy called Shakespeare and Hathaway. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, like a, a team up there? Yeah, it's uh, like a detective series. I got to try to remember this then. Arrogant boys seem clever, Howard particularly. All right. Uh, number six in the round. Jane Seymour, the actress, not the dead consort, portrayed the role of Constance alongside Tim Curry and a Tony Award-winning Ian McKellen in the original Broadway production of What Play by Peter Schaefer. Just a few years later, Schaefer would adapt his own play for the film adaptation directed by Milos Forman. And I will add for the record, uh, Oscars were won for Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay for Schaefer, and Best Director for Milos Forman. What was the year on this? Uh, there wasn't a year, but I'll give you one. Uh, the original Broadway production was 1981, and the uh, Oscars that they won, I believe, were 1984 for that release year. All right, we're, we're locking in. You're locking in? Okay. They All right, so we're, we're not locked in yet. Um, we're, we, we were talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He said correctly that was written by Kesey. Yeah, Ken yeah. Kesey. Yeah. Um, and it's also a little too early 
but I'm trying to remember Too what early? else. When did the film Cuckoo's come out? Cuckoo's Nest was 70s, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I'm trying to consider the age of the, the actors. Uh, Jane Seymour would have been young compared to these other guys. Maybe even I like think McKellen is the oldest of the three. So we're, so we're looking at one young man, one middle-aged man, and probably Jane Seymour would be like a kid at the time. Well, she was or maybe 81, if that helps. Or, or at least young. Say so She's like 60 now. Howard's End? I don't know. Let's just say Howard's End. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Um, we didn't have a lot on this, so we're going to go with uh, Empire of the Sun. Ah, okay. Spielberg. Uh, it is not that one. Um, so the original Broadway cast had Ian McKellen and uh, Tim Curry. Uh, they did not reprise their roles in the film, however. Tim Curry... Excuse me, Ian McKellen play, uh, played Salieri, and Tim Curry played Mozart, mm. and it was Amadeus. Oh. There's the picture right here I just found on the internet. I never knew about this, but it would wow. have been an awesome show. Um, nice. Yeah, Milos Forman. Uh, you guys were uh, on the right track, though. One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest uh, was like 74, and he won a ton of awards for that one, too. So, Did, yeah. did Empire of the Sun win Best Picture? It did not, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's, I was just trying to base mm-hmm. this off That was a few years later, what? too, right? I was like 89. I, was saying, I thought it was like 87, 88, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Amadeus, uh, what a sneaky good movie. If you haven't seen it, it's very, very good. Uh, all right. Uh, number seven in the round, Mozart was the epitome of a rock superstar in his own day. If we listen to the teachings of hip hop group Cypress Hill from the song rock superstar, we know that you need how many cars to live large and be in charge. Okay. We're locked in. There's your hip hop question, Joe, which Paul answered for me. So, uh, appreciate that. (laughs) And you know, I, I guess I always got this lyric wrong because I thought it was uh, big house, fine cars, live large. But apparently I heard it wrong and it was five cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's within reach. You only need five cars. Yeah, you only need five cars to live large. One for every day of the working week, Neil. There you go. So the answer is five. Come Correct. on, if you're a rock superstar, you're not going to work five days a week. Yeah, seven. Let's be real. That's true. Tours That's true. are brutal. Uh, so yeah, answer was five. But the five. price of fame is high, Jeff. But it's an eminence front. <laughs> Uh, number eight in the round. According to U.S. law, in order to sell tequila in the United States, you need to have a minimum amount of alcohol by volume. I'll give you within 5% to guess the minimum needed to sell. So the minimum alcohol by volume in order to sell in the United States for tequila. Yeah, All right, we're locked in. What are you guys thinking over at uh, Raging Coopers? Uh, we were... Oh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be somewhere between like... 35 and 40 percent so we cut it in half and said 37 okay and we said 40 all right uh both getting points it's uh 40 percent is the minimum needed to sell in the united states so 35 to 45 would have been acceptable nice uh all I'm right proud of myself yeah good alcohol all, question. all i know about that is that when people drink tequila they wake up unhappy the next day it's a bad time it's <laughs> it's not a good have you thing. had tequila on your trip so far no no, no. okay <laughs> um all right number nine in round two Originating from the Italian word for 40 days, this 10-letter word was spawned from the 40-day isolation of ships and people before entering the city-state of Ragusa. Yep. And I believe that area in. is now Dubrovnik. Locked in. Croatia? Yeah. Yep, we are locking in. Uh, we are going with quarantine. Okay. Uh, as did we. It is quarantine. Uh, our final question of regulation uh, is uh, uh, kind of a literature question here. First published in 1667 and consisting of 10 books with over 10,000 lines of verse, 
This epic poem was written entirely through dictation due to the author going totally blind 15 years earlier. Uh, Canterbury? Oh, by Chaucer? Yeah, that makes sense. All right. I think that might be a little late, but... That's... Yeah, I, I don't have any other guests, so yeah, that's fair. we're going to go with Canterbury Tales. All right, and Team Raging Coopers. And we, too, went went Canterbury Tales. Oh, uh, interesting guess there, both of you, but it's actually Paradise Lost uh, by Milton. Milton. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought Chaucer was like 14-ish. I didn't know that about him uh, dictating, so I thought that was cool to include. Okay, well, regulation has just ended, and this matchup has been like the boxing matches mentioned in the beginning of the episode, uh, trading punch for punch. The Raging Coopers have 170 points, and Beardos have 180 points, so... A uh, lot of, of uh, points there to work with in the final round here for our wagering. I'm going to give you the five categories for the final round and uh, give you some time to figure out your wagers. Here are your final five categories. Number one, chemistry. Number two, fast-growing sports. Number three, hidden brand logos. Number four, Teen drama television. And number five, capital punishment. Looks like all of the wagers are locked in. So let me go through the questions here. The first question is in the category of chemistry. This final round question comes from listener Lucas McGraw, who as of this morning just became a Cruiserweight champion and Patreon supporter. So thank you for that, Lucas. His question it is a well-known fact that the elements on the far right column of the periodic table are known as the noble gases. The column to the left of them are known as halogens. But what is the name of the elements in the column to the left of halogens that includes oxygen, sulfur, selenium, tellurium, polonium, and livermorium? Question number two in the category of fast-growing sports. Beginning its first season in 2018 in partnership with private investors, the MLR is about to enter its third season in 2020 and will have 12 total teams facing off against each other, including the Seattle Seawolves, the New Orleans Gold, and the Austin Elite, to name a few. This league represents what sport that is on the rise in North America. Number three in the category of hidden brand logos. Home to the Matterhorn Mountain and known as the City of Bears, Bern, Switzerland is home to this chocolate company that hides an image of a bear inside a mountain on its triangular packaging. Uh, number four. In and by the way, it took a long time to see that bear for me. <laughs> me too. Me too. Uh, number four was in teen drama television. Featuring a vibrant ensemble cast led by actress Zendaya and transgender model turned actress Hunter Schaefer, what teen drama series an adaptation of the original Israeli series of the same name, is a no-holds-barred look at drugs, trauma, and gender identity in the teenage community. That's what we get. We, we, we bet all wrong here. <laughs> uh, and uh, number five uh, in the final round, uh, category is capital punishment. This question is not about the death penalty, but I'm going to punish you with some capital facts. Can you name all four U.S. state capitals that share the same first letter as the state they reside in? All right, we'll go discuss and uh, get back with the answers. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. 
You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All of the answers are locked in. So let's go over these questions one more time and get our competitors' answers. Question one was in the category of chemistry, and it was from our new Patreon supporter, Lucas McGraw. Question was, it's a well-known fact that the elements on the far right column of the periodic table are known as noble gases. The column to the left of them are known as halogens. But what is the name of the elements in the column to the left of the halogens that includes oxygen, sulfur, selenium, tellurium, polonium, and livermorium? So let's start with Beardos. What was your wager? Well, we made a huge mistake because we bet 30 on this one, and we thought uh, Neil had written this question, assuming it would be easy. Um, But we guessed alkaline, because we had quite a lot of trouble here. Okay, and the Raging Coopers. Yeah, we made a huge mistake. We bet 30 on this one, because we thought Neil had wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was so ticked when when you actually said halogens. I thought that was when it would be your your question, what's next... Uh, to the nobles, but you went one too far to one where we had no idea. So we just took a stab at common gases. Okay. Uh, well, the uh, the greatest trick the trivia host ever played was making you think it was going to be a question he wrote. Uh, no, it. Uh, the answer is chalcogens or chalcogens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's I don't know what that word means. I have never come across in my life. Yes. <laughs> so thank you, Lucas, for... Looks uh, like uh, Jeff is verifying right now. Yeah. Yeah, the one uh, just to the left of that, if you want to keep going further, is apparently called the Pnictogens. Never heard that one either. Okie dokie. The more you know. The more you know. And uh, alkali metals can all the way on the left. Gotcha. Followed Mm -hmm. next by the alkaline earth metals. Followed by the alkaline trio. Yes. (laughs) All right. uh, So 30 points uh, pulled from each of your scores there is a big loss there. I just feel all the warmth going out of the room. (laughs) Uh, Category two was fast growing sports. Beginning its first season in 2018 in partnership with private investors, the MLR is about to enter its third season in 2020 and will have a total of 12 teams facing off against each other, including the Seattle Seawolves, the New Orleans Gold, and the Austin Elite, to name a few. This league represents what sport that is on the rise in North America, Raging Coopers? We um, we went with uh, Major League Rock, Paper, Scissor or Rochambeau, you know, depending on how you want to call it. Okay, and what was your wager? Uh, 30. Okay. Yeah, we oh. went 30 all the way down. Oh, 30 all the way down. I hope that's not it, but uh, we assumed ML was Major League, and R was maybe Rugby. 
All right. Well, uh, since you guys are over in New Jersey, the uh, the team closest to you is the major. Uh, excuse me, is the Rugby United of New York. So it is Major League Rugby. Uh, yeah, I uh, I follow them on Facebook. Met some of the players when we were in Vegas. Did you? Know? <laughs> yeah, there was a big rugby tournament going on while we were. All oh there. yeah, I forgot about that. And yeah, yeah, met met players, and they really hyped up the. Uh, MLR. Yeah, they got some cool team names. Uh, it was funny. Uh, you guys didn't hear in the studio. You didn't hear it, but um, they were talking about uh, Major League Wrestling, Major <laughs> League Rochambeau, a couple other ones that were great. Um, but yeah, Major League Rugby. So minus 30 for Coopers. And what, would you, what did you wager? 20. 20. So plus 20 for the Beardos. All right. Uh, category three was in hidden brand logos. I might have given too much information, but that's okay. Home to the Matterhorn Mountain and known as the City of Bears, Bern, Switzerland is home to this chocolate company that hides an image of a bear inside a mountain on its triangular packaging. So, Beardos, uh, what did you wager? Uh, we wagered 20 on this one. Uh, as I said, took me so long to see that bear, and when I did, I was very angry with myself. Uh, Much like it's... Leo, took you a while Yeah, with the bear. <laughs> the Revenant. Okay. <laughs> we wagered 20, and we went with Toblerone. Okay, and Cooper's. Yeah, we uh, we also went Toblerone. All right, it is Toblerone. All right, the next question was in the category of teen drama television, featuring a vibrant ensemble cast led by actress Zendaya and transgender model turned actress Hunter Schaefer. What teen drama series and adaptation of the original Israeli series of the same name is a no-holds-barred look at drugs, trauma, and gender identity in the teenage community? Uh, Raging Coopers. Uh, we put Euphoria. Okay. Your and- wager? Oh, 30. Which is what we would have been experiencing if we bet points. Yeah, this was our second huge mistake. Um, We assumed this would be a show that we'd never heard of from the 90s or something like that. And we wagered nothing, but we put Euphoria. It is Euphoria. So uh, interesting play here by the uh, Raging Coopers. They've basically are at zero. They netted out zero here with uh, those last four answers. So it's going to come down to this final question here, I think. Uh, The category was Capital Punishment. This question is not about the death penalty, but I'm going to punish you with some capital facts. Can you name all four U.S. state capitals that share the same first letter as the state they reside in? Uh, let's start with Raging Coopers. Yeah, so this was a fun one. Um, pulled the last one literally at the last second. So we did um, Anchorage, Alaska, um, Indianapolis, Indiana, um, oh, Honolulu, Hawaii, and uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Okay, and Beardos. Um, I don't know if we're right or not, but I'm almost positive that Juneau is the capital of Alaska. So we said Indianapolis, Indiana. We said Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We said Honolulu, Hawaii, and Dover, Delaware. Oh. What was your wager? 20. Juneau is totally the capital, isn't and it? Dover is Delaware. Oh, jeez. Juneau is the capital of Alaska. Ah. Uh, and it seems that question has ended the game here. Uh, the correct answers were Dover, Delaware, Honolulu, Hawaii, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So, Just for the record, I did help a little bit. But he, on that, he, he got was the drive force. So the final scores here uh, after the entire game, the Raging Coopers uh, dropped to 140. And if my math is correct, the Beardos have 210 and are today's cream of the crop. I am the cream. Great game. Yeah, thanks, guys. Well done. That was a tough one. I thought that was a tough one. Yeah, that was a tough final round. Uh, Glad the trick worked that you guys thought it was going to be an easy chemistry (laughs) question. Uh, So, Paul and Joe, um, thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon, obviously, but for coming in the studio. Uh, What's next for you? Driving home. Driving home. Yeah, driving home. Trying to get uh, home in one piece. Yeah, we uh, 
we actually head to Fort Wayne, Indiana next, okay. where Joe drops me off at my sister-in-law's place. Tomorrow morning, my wife and kids head from New Jersey to Fort Wayne and okay. uh, spend a couple weeks out there with her family. Awesome. That sounds nice. like a fun time. Any shout-outs from either of you? Uh, all the people back home in New Jersey, uh, you know, the uh, Rage and Cooper team, um, you know, Joe and uh, Haley, but otherwise, yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. yeah, it's been a blast. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for these wrestling magazines. We can't wait to show some pictures of those. And uh, we'll have to take a picture here before we, we end the recording and put in the crop. Um, but uh, thank you very much uh, to uh, Paul and Joe for being in the studio, for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you to Ken and Jeff for playing a great game. Uh, and for Matt, my name is Neil. And that was Triviality. Heart. Otherwise, why even do it? Yeah, you know, Jackson's had problems. It's not your fault. You can't blame yourself for what Jackson done. <laughs> you took my voice. You stole my boring country rock style. How dare you? If anyone's to blame, it's me because I bought him that belt as a gift. Oh, yeah. That's really good. <laughs>